Well, good morning. It's been an interesting few days, isn't it? That uh, we've seen a lot of rain and a lot of storm. And uh, last night we saw a lot of thunder and lightning. And um, if you think about it for a minute, it really is kind of evidence of not only we know that God is a creator, he is the one that provides. We know that in scripture repeatedly that rain is a blessing upon a nation, upon a people. Uh, and so we, we see that. One of the things that I would encourage you to remember as well is that wherever we see redwood trees in Scripture, they're often the sign of a blessed nation. So they are to remind God. Blessings are to remind us of God's presence and active work. And so sometimes we can walk around Sonoma County and we can feel as if as followers of Christ we're more alone. And every time that you look at a coastal redwood tree... I would encourage you to remember that God is active and working, and there is not a place in this world where his name is not called upon that he's not going to respond. And so I just want to encourage you with that this morning, that we can look out and we can see, even in subtle things such as that, the blessing of God falling upon both in a common way, but then in a specific way towards the people here. With that, we also see that blessing brings great destruction sometimes before it feels like it's actually a blessing. And we've seen that. We've seen if you, listen, you know, I'm kind of one of those nerds. I've shared with you guys before. I, I listen to airplanes land. Somebody's microphone's on too. Um, but I listen to airplanes land and, um, and I, I'm that guy that listens to air traffic controllers all the time and just like listening to it. With the same way, I also listen to scanners, to police scanners and fire scanners, and so last night I was listening to that, and it was just the constant stream of calls going out for help and for um, power lines that were down and, and trees that were down, and the fact that just the power of this blessing of water, this rain that we're receiving, also has at times what initially seems destructive, and even in the moment feels quite destructive, and yet it's the blessing that we need as we look at our lakes and our reservoirs being filled up. Why do I share that this morning? Well, this morning we're going to start just a very brief two-sermon or two-part series. And the title of that series is Personal Hope in Suffering. And it's going to focus on two biblical passages that were instrumental during the trials experienced over the past nine months in my own life. And I before we move into our next series before we, we move forward in jumping forward. I don't want to ignore what's happened over this past year, and I don't want to just gloss over that either. I want us to, to see how God has worked both within His church, but also how God works individually in a person's life through trial. Now, in times of great suffering, the needs for God's constant presence and the simplicity of His truth is vital as fear attempts to replace faith, anxiety tries to thwart peace, and the challenges of the situation dims the light of seeing His goodness. And so as we press on in 2023, as we talked about last week in the call of Christ, we forget what's behind, but that forgetting what's behind is really a don't live in the past, but rather learn from the past. And then move forward with the hope and confidence 
that God has given for the present. My desire for us over this Sunday and next Sunday is to proclaim two passages from among the many that God used to strengthen and encourage me in the darkest season of life that I have experienced to date. Now, the messages are not ones of heaviness this morning or next week, but rather simplicity and hope. Simple truths for the weary or in times of weariness to come. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 was one of those passages. It's not a passage that we're all that too familiar with. But the title of this sermon is a play on words which points out the tension that our faith can suffer or in contrast, be a blessing in our suffering. A tension that can actually only be settled in the goodness of God. So let's go ahead and stand together as we read from Jeremiah 17. We're actually going to read verses 5 through 8. What you'll notice is on the screen, it'll only come up through 7 through 8, because we'll be looking at that. But 5 and 6 provide context to this passage that I'll occasionally refer to in our message. And this is what it says. It says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness and in an uninhabited salt land. Now, to our passage today in verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for hope in the midst of suffering. Thank you for your word which grants us that hope. Lord God, this morning we thank you for the many blessings. We thank you, God, for the blessings of rain. We thank you for the blessings, God, of, of the area in which we live that is a constant reminder that you are near and present. Father, may we see our lives as blessed and not cursed as we put our faith trusting fully in you. God, take lives that we can make so complex and help us to live simply in your truth and in the strength of your grace. Father, bring forth your glory and your power today through your word. Move man aside, move me aside, and may you be seen and your goodness known. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. So at the heart of this passage this morning, and what we'll be specifically looking at, is that trusting God in faith, even during times of great suffering, establishes us in His blessed goodness. Trusting God in faith, even during times of great suffering, establishes us in His blessed goodness. Faith establishes blessedness. That's really what's happening. 
Faith establishes blessedness. So in the middle of June this past year, as most of you know, I was eight to nine weeks into recovery from a very lengthy and complex open heart surgery. This was uh, resulting from a continuation of a fungus that was transplanted in my heart in 2015. Many of you know that over the next few years, I underwent really seven additional surgeries. Not all were open heart to attempt and fix the damage that was caused by this complication. And when the infection returned in late March, what many of you don't fully know is how weary I was of this battle. For seven years, I had fought. And on that day, it felt like I had lost. Once again, in the Lord's gracious mercy, He sustained and delivered me from a 17-hour surgery, had me home and half the time predicted, and showed His loving kindness through His church and our church family. God's presence was witnessed and seen through each of you. I can't share that with you enough. The churches in this county and throughout the Bay Area and even across the nation that were praying for me was humbling. And it was a direct example of God's presence being demonstrated to me at a time where I needed to see it clearly. However, after coming home and going through what was really a miraculous surgery, and recovery, that season would take a turn, and a turn that was very dark for me. Seven years ago, when I walked through this the first time, I hadn't gone through seven years of turmoil. I wasn't weary. And when I turned corners in the hospital, there were opportunities for gospel in the ways that I had never experienced before. And ironically, if I could ever share it, the greatest time in my life where I've experienced the evangelistic witness of God through my life was seven years ago. In terms of the opportunity to simply share my faith on a day-to-day basis in a clear and present way. This time... It was different. I had opportunities to share the gospel. And I took those opportunities. I had two and a half hours to spend with critical care nurses driving in the back of an ambulance as they began to ask questions about the Lord. Or beyond just the questioning in their departure one of those flight or one of those nurses came running down the hallway after putting the gurney in the ambulance came running down the hallway simply to run into my room and hug me and say thank you i saw god's hand i saw his process but something was different
as things took this turn over the next few weeks, I'd be hospitalized two more times. I'd have two infections on my sternum that demanded weeks of attention and a pump to pump fluid out of it. I experienced constant nausea and fatigue. There wasn't a day that I felt normal. The leads on my new pacemaker began to fail, and additional surgery was feared. Emotionally and spiritually, I was struggling. I was struggling in a way that I'd never struggled before. I was in his word, but I was wrestling with God, crying out to him and pleading with him. My faith was still in Christ, but weariness was in full effect along with my disappointment and anger. I remember a day sitting in a chair in my bedroom and as I sat in that chair, there was a song that would be constantly in my playlist. It's a song by Shane and Shane. Some of you are familiar with it. Though I slay you, I will worship. Now, when I first started hearing that song two years ago, I loved it. Loved it. And because it was in my playlist, when I'd have it on and I'd go for my, my little walks, this song was kind of towards the front of the playlist, and so it always come up. And my initial instinct was, get past this song. And I'm not joking you. Like, it was everything in my power not to hit skip. But the one thing that I refused to do was to sing it. I would listen, but I couldn't sing it. Though you slay me, I will worship you. Came home from a day I still had this wound back and this pump flumping out fluid, and I woke up a morning and my stomach started convulsing. And I went to the doctors because they said, oh, I think we can fix this. They're, you're being stimulated. You're actually being electrocuted by this wire, stimulating your, your two nerves in your chest, and your stomach is convulsing. And if you had seen me at that time, what you would actually see is you'd actually visibly watch my shirt shake with every single heartbeat. That's how violent it was convulsing. Doctors tried everything to get it out. They said, there's nothing we can do except to go in and replace those wires. I went home, and if you can imagine having the worst hiccup of your life for the next week, that's what it was like. Violent contractions in your stomach. And I was tired. And I was broken. And I sat down in that chair, and I just cried out. I started crying out to the Lord. And the truth is, is that as my faith was still in Christ, and that weariness was setting in, I knew God's promise, and I trusted His God, God's promise in Romans 8.28, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. But this didn't feel good. 
and he didn't seem to be doing anything about it. It seemed to just be getting worse. What started out in the direction that I desired was now moving in a direction that I didn't desire. And so as I sat down in the midst of crying, my devotional reading for that day was Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. Is that me? I don't know. And so, as I read that passage, I came to verse 7, which began, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. In meditating on this verse, it became clear that first, I am blessed. That my circumstances do not determine whether I am blessed or not. Things that I knew, but things which are now being put to the test. Second, as I focused and meditated on the scriptures there, my faith was more in his power than in his goodness. I needed to turn towards him, trusting not only in his work, not only in what he can do and what he has done, but also in his goodness and who he is. I was on the phone with a brother in Christ shortly after reading the passage. And as we talked and I cried I told him specifically he said I said I can't sing this song but God will not remove it from my playlist and it keeps coming up every time I start it keeps coming up with the same issues and so as I did that as I walked in that and talked on the phone, one of the things that arose as we began discussing, he said, you remember when, when we were in seminary? Our professor would say that if you can't sing your theology, you don't believe it. So I sat in that chair for what seemed like hours. Over and over and over and over and over again until I believed it. Until I could look and see at the heart of this verse was a faith that was not simply in the power of God, but was in the goodness of God. See, the blessed person who turned towards God in faith, the blessed person are all those who turn towards God in faith. You see, the blessed person puts their faith not simply in what God has done, but puts it in God himself. And these are things that we often understand, but until they're really tested, we don't always know. See, in verse 6, it's a direct contrast when it says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. See, suddenly my eyes had shifted onto my circumstances and away from his goodness. The circumstance didn't feel good, wasn't good, was getting worse. And my eyes were drifting away from that, 
from the Lord and his goodness onto the circumstances which were not. You see, I saw him having power to heal, but failed to see that he was loving and caring for me in his goodness. I knew it, but I wasn't really believing it. When our eyes move off of the goodness of God, we will struggle. When our eyes move off of the goodness of God, we will become discouraged. When our eyes move off of the goodness of God, we will lack endurance in the race with Christ. Now notice, our wrestling is not unique. Jacob wrestled with God, and God dislocated Jacob's hip and built a nation from him. John the Baptist, while imprisoned shortly before being beheaded, wondered if Jesus was the Messiah, and Jesus sent a messenger to him saying, Yes, you are blessed. What have you seen? I am he. Wrestling with our faith is not the issue. It's where we come back to with our faith. See, trusting in God is the blessed life because he is our only confidence regardless of the circumstances. Why can we say that we're blessed even in the midst of suffering? It is because God is our confidence. And he is our only confidence even when things are going well. They just don't feel as bad. Psalm 40 verse 4 affirms this when it says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. See, I had faith, and that seemingly would endure, but I had lost sight of who he is and his goodness as my eyes moved off of his goodness and onto the circumstances. It's why... In Colossians 3, we're told then, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. It doesn't mean that we just run away from the the circumstances that we have here, but it does mean that we begin to look at God through the lens that he has, not through our own. On day two, They decided to get me up. Now, if you can think about this for a moment, if you've had open heart surgery, you probably have experienced a very similar thing, but having been down for 17 hours and then in a bed for another 18 hours and then sleeping overnight, they come in and they say, let's get you up. And you're like, "Uh, yeah, not, not happening, right? And the first time, I remember this seven years ago, they get you up and the way I describe it is I felt like Bambi. Your legs are like, and I remember I had two nurses, and I'm like, do not let me go. And they're like, you're fine. I'm like, I'm not fine. You know, that's how I felt. This time was an entirely different experience. It was, you better not let me go, because I'm going to hit the floor like a rock. And they got me up. But this time, it was very different. 
And I would manage to stand for about two minutes and sit down, and it took all the strength in me. And the very next day, they come in, and they say, we're going to get you up again, and it's just two of them. Now, Elisa says there was a smaller bunch of people. I disagree. There were five. <laughs> she says two. I says five. She thinks I was seeing double, and maybe I was, because I saw polka dots for five days. <laughs> but, but, nonetheless, the ICU nurse looked at me, and she said, what I noticed yesterday is that when you put your head down, you want to fall. Keep your head up. And I said, I don't even know what to do. And she said, look me in the eyes, and don't stop looking at me in the eyes. So I stood up, I started to put my head down, and she's like, look at me. And for five minutes, I stared intensely into this woman's eyes. And yep, (laughs) awkward would be the way to go. It was so awkward that she would occasionally open her eyes real wide and go. (laughs) But it was the only way that I could remain standing She told us as I left the room, she said, I've never had a man stare into my eyes so intently as you. And she said, I didn't really mean it that way. I shared with her, I told her, I said, I, it was the only thing that was keeping me up. That's how God wants us to pursue him. Is that when all seems lost and all seems distant and all seems impossible, He wants us staring intently at the Father. Now, how awkward we feel or how different we feel, and yet he looks back at us with pleasure. It is only through faith that we are able to please God. We're told that in Hebrews. And it is such that God looks back at you and goes, as yes, I've got you, you can do this. Stephen Smith points out, blessed people have their confidence in the Lord. He continues, our faith in God, not in our faith. If our confidence is in our ability to live out our faith, this is simply a religious way of trusting in ourselves. See the subtle difference there? We can have faith in having faith. But do we have faith in God? A lot of us have strength of character that will say, yeah, I'll live by faith. I can live by faith. But what I'm really living in is this kind of recognition of God's power, but not in the security and confidence of his goodness. So when you walk with faith, then, as we trust God, he says in verse 8, that he's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. Now the tree stands tall and is nourished through its roots by the stream. Apart from God, we are like the shrub in the desert that's mentioned in verse 6, that shall not see any good come. Yet the tree has life and isn't going to fall come rain or shine. You see, through faith, we too have a source of nourishment. This tree is planted by the water. Its roots go out. And those roots 
are then providing nourishment to the tree, making it stand tall. In contrast, the shrub that is in the desert of which no good shall come. And so apart from faith in God, we're like that shrub. In John 7, verse 37 through 39, it says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Who is the water that is providing nourishment to us? It is God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He is the one that is at work within us. Our hope doesn't come from just this exercise of having greater faith. It comes from the Holy Spirit working through our faith, strengthening us, giving us the faith to have faith. Jeremiah 17, 13 adds, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Here's the thing about a river. The source that is constant and flowing and moving. This river is providing constant nourishment to the tree. The tree doesn't have confidence in itself. It doesn't even have confidence in the power of the river. It has confidence in the river to provide nourishment. See the distinction? It's while he's saying, blessed is the man whose trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. It's not that we just have power in, in the, his past work and his ongoing work. It is that we have faith in who God is. Our confidence is in Jesus. Our confidence is in God. It's not fully settled in only his work. We talk a lot about God's ability to do miraculous things. We talk a lot about God's power to bring redemption, those are all part of God's goodness. But do we really, truly believe that he is good when we are suffering the not-so-good things? Do we really find our confidence and security in his goodness when all else around us and everything going with on us, in us is not? Is God still good when he doesn't bring a good outcome? Is God still good when what is happening to you in your life is not good? Is God still good? When the difficulties of this life take away all that this life has to offer? And the answer to that is yes. And as we put our faith in him, we can trust that wherever the outcome is, 
He is the one that sustains. He is the one who nurtures. And he is the one who carries. You see, our confidence has to be rooted in God and his goodness. So if our confidence is rooted in God and his goodness, what does it lay out here in this passage? What does this passage have to do with God's goodness and how do we see it? Well, there's two specific things. The first thing that we see in this passage, and I want to keep it as simple as possible. Because when you're in the midst of suffering, you don't need grand theological truths. Now, they may be grand theological truths, but in our humanness, what we mean by grand theological truths are deep things then sometimes what we really need is the simplicity of the gospel. We lose sight of that. What we need to be reminded of is who God is. If God is the one that's going to carry us, if God is the one that's going to work in us, then we need to be reminded who he is. It's kind of like a police car chasing a fast car. All you need to know is that the car chasing can go just as fast. In the same way, We need to be careful to not overcomplicate things when we suffer. The first thing here is God's sustaining grace, our refuge. Verse 8 says, And does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. God's sustaining grace, that's his attribute, which makes him our refuge. He's a sustaining refuge for us. In Isaiah 46, 1 through 3, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Salah. He's our refuge and our strength. He sustains us. See, the leaves on the tree are green. They are actually a delight to the tree. And the leaves are preserved. They radiate the life of the tree. They show that the tree is alive and well. And you know what it says? The heat comes. That which is designed to burn and to scorch. Does a leaf do a darn thing? Not a thing. It's protected by the source of nourishment. It's protected by the fact that the roots have gone into the water and that even though the heat comes, its leaves remain green. Now notice it doesn't say the leaves become more green. It doesn't say that the leaves get less green. It simply says they remain green. They stay in their state. When we go through suffering, we have a sustainer in his grace that has said, He will be our keeper. He will keep us. Our leaf will remain green. We can rest in him as a result of that. We can rest in the Lord knowing that he is our sustaining grace, our refuge. Colossians 1, verse 11 through 14. This is a verse the Lord had encouraged me to put to memory two years ago. And it became my daily prayer. As I cried, 
May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance. And catch this, patience with joy. Uh Uh-oh. The green leaf. Are you able to delight even in the midst of suffering? Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Guess what? God is our sustainer. And we put our faith in him because he is the one who sustains us. That means I can rest. That means that me trying to figure out how in the world I'm going to get through another day and how can I go on is just to rest. Throughout this journey, there were several days where Elisa will tell you, my kids will tell you, I cried and said, Lord, I think this is the best it gets. I haven't seen progress in days and I think I'm done. I think this is where I need to settle and be okay. And if you guys know me, that just meant I tried to fix those problems. And there was nothing that was going to work. This was not a problem that I could solve. And the only way to endure that was to rest. To rest in him and say, God, it is yours I will take the steps that you call me to take, but all I can do now is put my faith in you and let you be the one that works it out according to your purposes. The freedom that comes, the freedom that comes in just resting in the Lord, knowing that his grace will sustain you. Lisa was asking me last night in bed, or actually it was right before we went to bed. She said, how did you get up And even from a mental perspective, get up and move to that surgical room without really even thinking about it. I didn't have an answer for her last night. You know what it was? The sustaining grace of God. Because if it were up to me, I didn't have the strength to do it. But God did. And I could rest in him that he was going to be the one that carried out his purposes. So our confidence has to be rooted, and this is whether we're in suffering or in life, the confidence of our faith rooted in his goodness, and it begins with his sustaining grace. The second part of his goodness that our confidence is rooted in is his assuring faithfulness, our help. His assuring faithfulness, our help. It says, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Now think about the contrast between heat and drought. They kind of go together. But the heat was designed to scorch, to burn, to tear apart. The drought now is just a season that is without liveliness. It's typically a season without the nourishment. It's the wilderness. See, we can 
see God's assuring faithfulness in this passage too. That not only will he keep the leaves green, not only will he sustain us, but in his faithfulness, he will actually bring about fruit. That there is a purpose. That there is something good to be done out of this for those who believe in him. Now that may look different than what we personally desire, but here's what we get out of it. We actually get to see God at work in a clear way. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We actually get to see God at work. Johnny Erickson Tata was at a conference a couple years ago, and she shared that at the conference, there are numbers of families that, who have children that are disabled or they themselves are disabled, and they come and they hear the gospel, and as a result of this ministry, these families get away, they get to hear the gospel, many of them coming to the Lord, and they're encouraged and they receive help and support. And she had a little girl come up to her, and she said, Joni, did you ever think breaking your neck would turn into this? Did you ever think being a quadriplegic would turn into this? See, the beauty of our faith is that God is working and assuring us through his faithfulness that his plan is being fulfilled and we don't carry out that plan by ourselves. That he is our help. Philippians 1, 6 through 7 says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. He will complete the work. Man, that's fantastic. The truth is, is that God has done that with us as a body, too. He's shown his faithfulness to the, the body of Redemption Hill. That this is not a church built upon a man or a pastor or a person, but it's a church that is built upon Jesus Christ. And his assuring faithfulness that he provides for his church what his church needs. Many of you stepped up and stepped into different things that you haven't done or were not doing on a regular basis, and God has used that. And that's not something that we are to return to or find some aspect of normal from the past, but it means that this is the new normal for us as the body of Christ. That this is where we are to be. God using suffering as correction, and not only as correction, but as an opportunity for us to see the very presence of God. Kelly came over to my house at the end of May as I was struggling one day. I said, Kelly, I'm really struggling to understand this suffering. 
And I said, I hate being the examples of Job. Because it says Job was an upright and blameless man. And I get that in Christ we are upright and blameless, but I just struggle to be put in the same category as Job on any level. And as I began to talk that through, one of the things that became clear was that there were things that I believed about Scripture, specifically Job, that began to realize that, wait a second, (laughs) Job's story does apply to us in multiple ways. And in piety, really pridefulness, we shouldn't say he doesn't apply to our lives. And so as Kelly and I talked further, Kelly looked at me squirt in the eyes and said, Tim, you know what? You're being Job's friends to yourself. You're trying to figure this out. And I don't think that's what's happening here. The truth is, is that that's it. That in our suffering... We know when sin is the cause of our suffering. We know when it's the consequence of something else going on in our life. But when we can't figure out what's going on, we need to not be Job's friends to ourselves. We need to to rest and rely on Christ. We need to recognize that God may be doing something entirely different that we may not see now or in the future. And the Lord pointed something back at me. He reminded me of a prayer that I've been praying for the last year and a half prior to this all beginning. Was that I would understand his goodness and grace in a fresh way. And what I saw in those days were days where God was showing me that there were areas in my weariness that I had doubted his goodness And he was reclaiming that in my own life. Now, there were many things that God taught me in this season of trial. But one of the greatest things that he taught me was the simplicity of faith. The faith needs to not simply be in his power, but in his person. And being in his person and the work of his goodness allows us to have confidence in his sustaining grace and is assuring faithfulness. And because of that, we can both rest in him and rely on him. And so I want to encourage us this morning, when we're faced with trial, regardless of what it is, it may be bad, it may be small, don't be like the shrub in the desert that turns away to God and turns towards man. If the very presence of God that you're seeking, if that is what you are seeking, may I encourage you to do one thing, and it's couched in three. The three R's. May you run to him, May you rest him and you rely on him. Run, rest, rely. Why? Because when you run to him, you run to the source of nourishment. When you rest in him, 
You rest in the sustaining grace of God. And when you rely on him, his assuring faithfulness becomes your help. See, the simplicity of our faith makes it easy to endure, much harder to apply. But my hope is for us as a church is that what we would learn to do is to faithfully run, rest, and rely. That we would be a people whose faith is not simply in what God can and has done, but our faith is in Him, His goodness, His grace, and ultimately, His strength. Revelation 22, 1 through 2 says this, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This was a picture of heaven. When we suffer... God is pulling us closer than ever to his throne. May we rest in that. May we rely on him for it. And may we run to it. Knowing that through faith, we are experiencing the full goodness and power of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the beauty of your word. Thank you for the beauty of the hope that we can be found in your word. Lord, may we be a people who trust in you and whose trust is you. May we truly see that the blessed life is a life trusting you. Lord God, may we never be so comfortable as to lose sight that your goodness goes forth even when we're tired, even when we're worn out, even when we celebrate, and even when we rejoice. May our faith be strengthened in you today. And we ask these things in your name. Amen.